0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another tale podcast. I am your host, Soul, and today I am joined by Adi. Hello. How are you doing this evening,
1: Adi? Uh, I think I'm doing okay, aside from all the work I've been doing for Anthrocon this past two weeks.
0: Oh, yeah, you got that coming up. You're probably yeah. super busy right before that, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, speaking of, you do a lot of uh av stuff for a lot of the conventions around here in the midwest correct
1: yep uh midwest and uh, quite a few places across the country and uh internationally too i do stuff in toronto uh, i do stuff in california texas um i used to do stuff in in washington uh rest in peace rain first
0: oh no <laughs>
1: <laughs> you did that one you you were yeah, there for, for a couple for a couple years i was handling uh the audio next to a partner in crime for lighting uh, uh Kirk. so yeah it was a that was a fun one yeah
0: I, I can only imagine I've heard the stories about that con
1: uh, see I didn't get involved in any of that stuff but you know it's politics
0: yeah <laughs> yep. yep um so do you mind telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do outside of
1: AV for conventions so AV for conventions is my line of work um it's what I do, livelihood. Um, I've been doing this for about fifteen years now, and uh, honestly, like looking back on it all, I wouldn't have changed anything. Um, it's it's been a roller coaster, but everything's been awesome, and uh, you know, it's gonna get better from here. I hope. Yep. <laughs>
0: now, when you say conventions, that's not just furry conventions. That's like any. Big convention, bigger small convention that might need your services.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. like any, you know, um, the company that I work for, who who I will keep nameless for for the time being, um, we do a lot of the, the the company like started off in the seventies, um, actually doing doing big shows with uh, you know really famous people, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, uh, the Pure Prairie League, um, gosh, what else did What else did we do? Uh, There's like a whole wall of badges at work that my boss has. And I mean, they go back all the way to like 1975. And, uh, you know, the company's been in business for a long time. But when I came on board, um, it was to do the audio stuff uh, for the company. And then it just kind of branched into me uh, bringing the shows that I was doing um, to to the table and saying, hey, you know, we can provide a superior end product um than, than maybe some other companies that you've been working with so give us a shot and you know not to toot my own horn but i think i've been doing pretty good
0: <laughs> well that's good that's definitely good to hear um so what is it that got you into the furry community and what is it that makes you
1: stay oh gosh uh well what got me into the community was a uh a little web comic called fur piled uh, back in, I think, 2004, five ish. Um, I just, uh, just broken up with my first boyfriend for the third time. Don't ask, long story. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I was looking around. I'm like, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's other people out there that, that feel like a connection to, to an animal or something like that. And lo and behold, I found this, this little slice of life comic and, it really resonated with me. And then I joined up on their forums uh, and I started meeting people, found a couple people in Michigan. Um, I just kind of branched out from there. Um, and now I'm, <laughs> now I'm, now I'm here. And, uh, honestly, like what makes me stay for now, uh, is the people that I've met over the course of my time in the fandom. Um, it's just been an amazing experience. Like I, I wouldn't change anything, um, you know, good and bad as they come. It just, that's how it is. But it's always been the people that I meet when I'm at these conventions and people that I talk to online that I just want to be around them. You know, they have this, everybody that I talk to and everybody that I'm around just exudes this positive energy and, you know, I soak that in like a sponge and I hopefully push it back out into the world. (laughs) So that's pretty much what makes me stay um, in the, in the confines of the fandom, you know, and I branch out into other places like the anime community and maybe some of the video gaming community, but not too much. All right.
0: Even, I get the feeling, even if you did leave the furry community, you probably couldn't completely leave because it's part of your job.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a lot of friends in the fandom and, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I I couldn't just up and and say, all right, guys, I'm out peace. And then just cut ties. Like I'm not that kind of person. So it'd be, it'd be really tough.
0: Uh, so on to the AV stuff, um, actually before this, did you, did the company you work for, did they do furry conventions before you joined, or were you like their gateway into doing furry conventions?
1: <laughs> uh, I, I guess you would consider that I was the, the gateway into doing all this stuff. Um, the The company was doing fandom conventions um mm-hmm. Anime and video gaming conventions before I came along and that's actually how I met um, One of my one of my best friends um, And he's now a fandom member which is really awesome, but uh, yeah, I met I met them through a uh, convention in, in Detroit called Yomacon and um, You know everything just kind of fell into place from there and you know as, as good friendships do it was a rocky start but you know after we kind of felt each other out and we're like okay this is how you work this is you know it it became more of a um a tighter knit friendship so it was it was good um but getting into av stuff i guess like are we on that topic yeah <laughs> yep okay. Uh feel free to continue <laughs> cool uh so that the, how i got into audiovisual stuff was When I was a little kid, um, my grandfather had a series of electronic stores, uh, throughout Michigan. And, um, when I was a young, young, even a young baby, uh, they would bring me into the store and just kind of let me run loose. Um, and I would like start figuring out how electronics work, like how to turn TVs on and off without any prompting. You know, I could change the channels. I could turn the volume up and down, um. My mom used to tell me that there was a story about how I would grab the remote and turn the volume up and down because I knew what those buttons did. You know, I figured that out on my own. Um, and then uh, fast forward to 2005, um, I got a message from a friend that said, "Hey, you know, I understand you do uh, you do like sound and stuff like that for uh, neat." neat little, you know, side gigs and things like that. I'm like, yeah. So he goes, well, how would you like to do a, do sound for this little convention in Cleveland? And I went, okay, sure. Let's, let's let's do it. And then it became another con after that. And then another one after that. And in 2006, it was like three of them in a row. And then, you know, Oh God, what do I do now? (laughs) Um, So I started renting stuff for my grandfather and um, you know, charging the client, which was the convention for it, and it just kind of came up from there. So that's that's pretty much how I got into it was was because of my grandfather and his influence, um, and owning all this all this professional gear um, because he had all the stores and stuff like that and that's something that uh, you know I always always take with me so <laughs> all right, so
0: you've kind of been able to see a lot of these conventions grow up and whatnot then it sounds like you've been around for a while
1: yeah um my first furry convention was uh um mff 2006 okay so i i got to see that one come up from uh from this tiny little convention well it wasn't tiny at the time it had like i don't know seven eight hundred people but i mean that was that was big for me because i'm used to used to conventions at that point being like 13 1400 people yeah, And, you know, now you're approaching conventions that have, like, 30,000, 50,000, 120,000 attendees, and you're like, whoa, so... Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, since you've started doing the AV at these conventions, have they become more of a job rather than pleasure? Is, has that taken away from, like, the
1: joy of going to one? No. Um, honestly, uh, at FE... I'll use, S as an, as, uh, I'll use F.E. as an example. Um, I f- did my first full fursuit experience uh, for the first time uh, at F.E. And that was amazing. And it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, I now know I can blend having fun at these things with work. But it's always been fun for me. You know what mm-hmm. they say? You know, it, it, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Well, that's that's pretty true um i i I feel like i don't work a lot at these conventions but then i look at the time and i'm like man i've been here since nine in the morning and it's three a.m oh boy you know so (laughs) uh time flies when you're having fun i suppose but at the same time you know it's 16 18 20 hours a day and uh but like i said i wouldn't trade any of it I, i love what i do so Okay. i hope it I hope it shows in my work
0: <laughs> that's good. that's definitely something great you found then if you can enjoy what you do yeah so yep um fun. so do you have a like um a mobile studio as well or are stu- or is that like a stationary thing that like doesn't really travel well, or how do you move all <laughs> of the equipment that's required? For one of these,
1: oh geez, um, so it's 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 in a warehouse, obviously, and it gets transported around via truck. Um, you know, some some of the smaller ones, like if they require a couple of speakers, um, those can usually be put in like a van or something like that. Um, company has one small truck um, that we do for like local shows and things like that, like, local little gigs um, here and there, but. For the larger shows, it's not uncommon for us to get, you know, big 53 foot semi, um, and even, uh, several trucks, like for Anthrocon, we're doing three twenty-six foot trucks. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one, one thing to do one company. And then you've got multiple companies that bring in all their own trucks and it's, uh, but yeah, so I don't, I used to do this stuff out of the house, <laughs> um, Back in the day when my friend owned a bunch of the gear that I would rent out, um, we just kept it in this basement. And that was uh, was interesting because having to take that out of the basement every time we wanted to use it was, okay, well, we have to take it up the stairs and now we have to take it up this grassy hill to get it into the van or the truck that we're taking. And that was just a big pain in the butt. So thankfully all that's behind me now.
0: That's good. (laughs) Um, so audio and visual, I'm guessing that's mostly like, uh, video and obviously auditory things like speakers, a sound system. Do you also do like, um, any videography, like, or any of that stuff or like the lighting visuals?
1: Well, so I do my primary function in a lot of these things is the sound guy. Um, I'm the, I'm the first thing you notice when you're walking to the ballroom. You're like, man, that that's really bumping in there, and you know that's that's my job. Um, So uh, everything everything else is kind of like a I leave that to the people that are better at better at it than I am. Um, You know, obviously, like there's people do lighting, visuals, um, video stuff like directing and photography. Like they can do that. I will gladly just sit in my own little audio world and make people you know make people's insides rattle or something. I don't okay. know.
0: Is that all still a part of the same service, the same company, or is like uh audio and video separate from visuals?
1: Uh nope, it's all part of the same thing. Okay. Um with the, the visual side of things, like the stuff that you see on like LED walls and things of that nature, um, you know, that's all stuff that gets generated by uh, somebody usually doing it live. Um, it's just like running a lighting console. It's all the stuff you see at you know shows and whatnot is usually done live, um, especially at the furry conventions and most conventions in general. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just stick to stick to the audio side of things because that's what I know and that's what everybody knows me for.
0: Okay. So. Uh, what about hobby? Do you have like your own home studio that you kind of fiddle around with or do you kind
1: of separate uh, home from work well so i do i do audio engineering and audio mastering at home um i don't have a studio per se um but i you know i got a nice nice computer and nice headphones and audio interface and studio monitors and stuff like that so um you know i can i can make things sound good at home um yeah, it's. Uh, I try not to do that kind of stuff at work. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: so it's. I guess, I guess you could say that audio engineering, is a hobby until it becomes work. If that makes sense.
0: Yep. It it does. <laughs> now you mentioned renting equipment and owning equipment. Uh, which one is typically? More common, do more people tend to rent equipment that they'll only use like once or twice, or do they just go out and buy it So it depends
1: on who you ask um, a lot of a lot of conventions will buy their own equipment to a point um, there's there's one there's a few conventions that the company that runs them has all their own gear, and that's great. Um, They can quote-unquote rent it to the convention for no cost because they already own it. So that's a good business model, in my opinion. Um, Saves them money on trying to rent stuff from uh, outside vendors and things like that. But primarily bigger events will rent stuff because there's no way that even, even if an event has like I'll use anthrocon as an example uh, say they wanted to buy all the lighting and all the trussing that we use and all the sound systems and the video gear and all that stuff you're looking at five or six million dollars easy oh boy, oh boy. Um, you know and, and they're getting this stuff for pennies on the dollar um, so I mean it's it, it makes more sense to rent large quantities of more expensive stuff versus than trying to buy it, you know, when you've got a, uh, excuse me, a moving light, say that costs ten thousand dollars, but you need fifty of them. Okay, right. well, <laughs> uh, where am I going to come up with half a million dollars? Yeah, you know, so it's it's one of those things where you know you can look at something and say, oh, this 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 particular light, yeah, it costs ten thousand dollars, but maybe it costs two hundred bucks to rent it for the weekend or it costs 250 bucks or 300 bucks for the weekend to rent it. Yeah, I can rent, I can rent 50 of those for way less money than I can do 50 of them to buy. Okay. That it's all pennies on the dollar. But when you start getting into like the larger gear, that's when it makes more sense to rent. If you're doing small things like, you know, small speakers and stuff like you pick up from guitar center or what have you. Um, yeah, that stuff is only a few hundred bucks and you'll make your money back on it after a couple of conventions. Um, but when you start getting into stuff that you need, line arrays and huge you know, video rigs and large lighting rigs and things like that, like the bigger furry shows, you know, it makes more sense to just rent that stuff because you're going to wind up paying through the nose if you try to buy it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and then having a spot to store all of that stuff too, I would imagine. Exactly. You got to pay to store it and then you've got to pay for it to upkeep because you can't, you can't reasonably expect something to work once a year and then store it for a year and then expect it to, you pull it out of the box and it continues to work. Like this stuff, you have to make it, it breaks down, quote unquote, um, if it's not working, you know, if it's not out doing, if it's not on at a gig or something like that, it's, it's corroding the, you know, uh, grease is drying, stuff like that. Like, it has to be used. Okay. Know? And that's that's where a lot of conventions get this... Uh, I don't want to say a lot of conventions do it. Most, some of them do. Some of them do get into this, this rut of, we'll just buy our own gear, okay? And well, now you've got to store it. Now you've got to keep it up. Now you've got to, you know, make sure that if it breaks, now you have to pay to get it fixed. Versus a company where it's like, Well, if something breaks on the job, we pull it out of the mix and we take it back to the shop and we fix it. You know, it doesn't cost anything to get fixed at the show or it doesn't cost the client anything to get it fixed. So that's where, you know, that all comes into play.
0: Yep. When you, when you go to like a convention for the weekend, do you typically bring backups upon backups with you just in case something breaks, you have one on hand ready to go?
1: Oh yeah. Um. I'll use I'll use Anthrocon as an example again. There was one year where uh, we had, I think it was two or th- two lights, you know, nice moving lights. They just up and stopped working. You know they wouldn't receive DMX or they wouldn't uh, turn the light the lamp itself on. Like it wouldn't it just stopped working. So we have to get up there and get it fixed. Well, thankfully there's spares. And in this business, you always have to bring a spare because you never know when that piece of gear is going to go south on you and you can do everything you can to protect it. Um, You know, I, I I should say that speakers are a lot less uh, and this is why I do audio speakers and audio equipment is a lot less fragile than say some lighting equipment or video equipment. You know, if you, if you drop a, a a speaker um, one, if you drop it on a, your foot, it's going to hurt. And two, you're probably not going to damage the inside of it. You know, they're just made that way. But if you drop a a camera or a, a lighting fixture or something, you can break a bulb, you can break glass, you can break the motors inside, you can break sensors, you can break, you know, mounts, you can do all kinds of damage to these things. But if you drop a speaker, Eh? <laughs> yeah,
0: no, and it's probably nowhere near as expensive as that lighting stand or whatnot.
1: Oh yeah, um, like a lot of times if you go into like Guitar Center, you can find speakers that are relatively inexpensive by comparison. Um, but yeah, when when you look at that one speaker that's three hundred bucks versus a light that's three thousand bucks, and you're going, man, if I drop this thing. You know, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've dropped speakers, I've dropped lights, I've dropped all kinds of stuff in my, in my time. And, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, somebody that says I've never dropped something in my life. Well, get ready. Cause it's going to happen. Yep.
0: <laughs> so all of these speakers and whatnot that you work with, do you get them at guitar center or is there like a high end, uh, dealer no, that you go through?
1: No, we, um, so the company that I work with, um, they buy equipment. Um, what we do is we usually, because we're quote unquote dealers, um, we'll get things at cost. And the nice thing is is we'll pass that cost savings on to the customer. Um, so it works out in the customer's favor that we're, we are not only getting it at a discount, but we can then pass that discount on to the customer. And uh, it it works out much better for them. Uh, Works out good for us, too. Um, Because usually after a few shows, it'll just pay itself back. And then we're done. Um, There's been in a pinch where we're like, oh, crap, we need something. And we run to Guitar Center or Best Buy um, to grab it. And, you know, it's there and it works. So, okay, good. Um, But, yeah, typically we'll, we'll get stuff from uh, like a, a, a vendor I should say something akin to like say b and h
0: yep okay uh,
1: or or um it's a full compass' it's the other one all right um you know we'll get we'll get stuff from from them but like for our big pa system our bigger sound systems we get it direct from the factory okay um, because there's you can't really go through a, a third party on that you have to go direct to the factory because otherwise you know you're gonna pay you're gonna pay a brokerage fee then you're gonna pay all this other stuff on top of it and that's not really saving any money
0: yeah that markup is gonna be pretty hefty I would imagine yeah so so on to uh the furry AV side of things at all of the conventions that you go to is there any of them that like you look forward to in the year like yes I love this convention, it's easier than the others. And is there one that's just like a headache and you always dread going to it?
1: (laughs) Oh that's a that's a can of worms. Uh
0: (laughs) you don't you don't need to throw any names (laughs) under the bus if you don't want
1: to. (laughs) So (laughs) um honestly I like going to all of them. Um yes there's more there's some that I look forward to going to more than others but that's simply because like some of them I don't have to do much like I'm not doing the whole show. I'm there to, you know, handle just the audio equipment or I'm there to um, run a sound console for a couple of concerts or I'm there to run a camera. You know, I'm not there to, to see the show load in, set up, run, load out, get on the truck, come back, check the gear in. I'm not there for all that stuff. Um, you know there's there's a few conventions that I that I do where that's the amount of hats that I have to wear and and that's a huge thing that I depend on. A, a large team of of friends and colleagues and and other furries too, um, especially at Furry AV um, where we all come together and we do this um, because some of us do it professionally, but we want to show the fandom at large. Yo, band. this is what we can, this is what we do. And it's, it's a great way to, uh, showcase our work, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you've got artists that can do really good artwork. You've got visual people that can do really good animations. Um, we express ourselves in a different way. Um, we express it through the creative use of trussing and lighting and sound and videography and camera work and directing Um, you know, it's, it's a whole, whole different set of art. And that's what, uh, that's what I love about it. You know, it's, it's a great, great way to just get out there and say, Hey, here's what we can do. So.
0: Do you prefer going to the bigger conventions or the smaller
1: ones? Is one typically easier than the other? Well, a smaller convention is going to be easier because it's not going to be as much equipment. Right. Right. Um, you know, Anthrocon, for example, uses a lot of gear. Like I said, it's three trucks worth. Mm-hmm. Um, MFF, same way. It's a semi and a truck, you know, 26-foot truck, um, to get all that stuff to the convention center, or to the hotel and the convention center. It's the same way to Anthrocon. Um Smaller shows, like maybe MCFC, um, it's our smaller truck. We can put everything in that. Um Shows like Indie Furcon, for example, it's just I do lighting and it's just one truck. That's it. Okay. I don't have to worry about anything else. But you know, the bigger shows, um, the more work that I have to put into uh getting the paperwork right, making sure everybody gets the gear that they need, um, you know, making sure that stuff's paid for, um, things get ordered correctly, stuff's going to arrive on time, you know, things like that. That's you know, a lot, most people actually don't realize how much pre planning goes into these things from the audio visual standpoint. Like, it doesn't just show up when we put it together. It's, it takes months mm-hmm. and months of, of pre planning and, and getting everybody the stuff that they need to make sure they can do their part of the job, uh, you know, the, of, of the whole. So,
0: now do. Since the smaller conventions require less gear, do they get the same quality gear that the bigger conventions do? Like, is it still the same lighting, the same speakers, or do you typically bring like a lesser quality to it?
1: Well, I don't want to say that they're lesser quality. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, but honestly, it's it's not... I wouldn't say it's a quality difference. It's a difference in the size. Okay. Um, You know, I'm not going to bring a line array to a a small convention. Um, I'm not going to bring our large sound system to a small convention. I'm going to scale it down to fit not only what their budget is, but fit what the room size is. How many people am I expecting to cover? Um, Same goes with lighting. You know, how can we fit this in the budget? How can we make the most visual impact while still staying under that magic number? Okay. Um, you know, it goes the same same way with the whole thing. It's the whole show. How can we make it the most bang for the buck? Okay.
0: So it's more about how do you service 50 people versus 500 people?
1: Exactly. Okay. Yep. You know, if 50 people require a speaker and a microphone, great, we can do that. I'm not going to bring in, you know, $5,000 worth of gear to do a panel. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of overkill. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, so when you go to these conventions, are you considered staff or volunteer, or are you like not associated with the convention itself?
1: Well, there are some conventions where, um, we go there and we're like, I'll use anime central. Um, we were contractors, Okay. Uh, not associated with the convention, not well associated with the convention to a point. Um, but we're contractors. We weren't staff we weren't volunteers um we were hired hired guns basically and um most of the conventions that i go for um i am a staff member or um if they have to use they can't use the term staff because it's uh implies something different then they'll say yes he's a volunteer (laughs) um most of this stuff is volunteer work for me unless it's uh larger, like, anime convention or something like that, then I try to, you know, make sure that I'm taken care of because this is my livelihood. Right, yeah. <laughs> so. Can't go around giving everything away for free. Basically. Though people would like me to, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so then do you work very closely with the other volunteers and staff at these conventions?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of these ones will have... Uh, Telegram chats or Slack channels or something like that that will excuse me ooh got a little hiccup uh, we will work with these I, well, I will work directly with a lot of these uh, these these people that, that come in to volunteer or staff with the convention um, and like I said it's you know I might be the guy that's putting together the paperwork but it's really the whole team that comes together, that puts together the show um, from start to finish. Like it, it it, there's, there's been a few cases where I've walked into places that I have absolutely no bearing on and people go, Oh man, Adi's here. Oh, that, you know, this, it, that means it's going to sound really good. I'm like, I got nothing to do with this convention. I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm just here to have fun. They're like, Oh yeah, but you know, you're going to you're going to do this and that and the other thing and I'm like, "No, no I'm not. Not here <laughs> for that like, today, guys. No, I'm not. I'm I'm here to first suit. That's what I'm here for. I want to have fun." So, it's it's uh I forget when recently that happened. I think that happened at BLFC. Somebody mentioned something and they said that it was my show and oh the sta- you know, my stage looks great and, you know, I'm doing such a great job and I'm like, i didn't do a goddamn thing with this <laughs> i did absolutely nothing it was all this you know it was all the the av director standing right next to me and he's like jaw on floor like who the hell is this guy <laughs> <laughs> oh no and i'm like yeah uh, uh oops uh it's it's all this guy here i had absolutely nothing to do with it
0: i'm sorry it's not my fault
1: yeah exactly not my show not my problem
0: uh, so since you do this through your company I'm guessing your co-workers probably know you're a furry
1: oh absolutely um, they they know that I'm they know that I'm a furry they know that I'm gay um, and honestly they nobody cares it's okay. it's uh, they say you know when, if you make yourself invaluable to some to a company then they'll they really won't give it give two shits pardon my language they won't really care what your orientation is or who you're seeing yeah. or what you do um you know because you're a good worker and they like having you around and that's what i feel with this this company is that everybody likes having me around you know and i um i wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way
0: now do your co-workers also accompany you to the conventions like to handle the visuals
1: and whatnot Oh yeah. Okay. Um, in fact, like for Anthrocon, pretty much everybody that's there, you know, it's a small company, um, but I bring everybody.
0: All hands on deck.
1: So, yeah, all hands on deck because this is a you know it's a big thing and a, it's a big deal, and um, you know it's it's <laughs> people 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 have asked me that same question like oh do your do your coworkers know I'm like look behind you that's one of my coworkers. <laughs> You know, like, of course they know I'm standing right here. So, and they, they, they love going to these things just as much as I do. Okay. That's Uh, good. It's, it's still, you know, it's, it's work for them, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I strive to try to make it fun for everybody, you know, so you're not, they're not working too hard or, you know, things like that.
0: Alright. Are there any of them that were like, just, oh god, no, I will never go to a furry convention? Like, you you won't make me do that?
1: <laughs> um, I've heard my boss say that once or twice, but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, I, I talked to him about it, like going to Anthrocon. I said, hey, so what's the deal with Anthrocon? He goes, oh, I'm going. And I went, okay. Thought you told me you didn't want to go. He went, oh no. I am I'm, I'm going, I, I want to go. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's good. I'm glad you want to go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a fun conversation. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm real excited that, you know, like I said, all my coworkers and everybody that I, I've come to work with, um, they're all on board a hundred percent when it comes to these things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be in that kind of environment because it's very supportive.
0: Mm -hmm. So now when you, when you go to one of these conventions, do you, are you only at one stage? Like, are you only at the main stage and then somebody else takes care of the secondary stage or do you kind of manage both of them?
1: I prefer to be in one spot at one time. um, Except during the setup where I will try to be everywhere at once, um, which doesn't work too well (laughs) uh but i rely like i said i rely on multiple people to do the work and put in the time and put in the energy and put in the effort to make the show happen and i could never do that by myself like it's it's it would be it would be really bad um i would take me forever I could do it, but I'd be really upset afterward. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I tell everybody on these things, um, thank, thanks for your help. I really appreciate it. And I know the show wouldn't happen without you guys. And, you know, everybody, when we're done with like, say a concert or we're done with a dance competition or something, it's always like, Hey everybody, great show. And, you know, we'll congratulate and watch footage afterward as like a, a a group and just say, Oh man, you see that camera shot? Oh, how did that look? You know, and it's, you know, it's nice to be able to get that kind of quote unquote family feel. Um, you know, and it's true. It's, it's, we call it AV fam, but it's, it's pretty true. Like a lot of us are, we treat each other like we're family and, uh, you know, brothers and sisters all in this together. And, uh, like I said, wouldn't have it any other way. Yep.
0: Uh, so I'm guessing you also work pretty closely with not only your fellow coworkers and volunteers, but also the
1: people that are on stage as well. Correct. Oh yeah. Um, well, I try to, <laughs> um, there are some times where, you know, there's been some times where we show up to these things and um, I find out the day of that, Oh yeah, there's a band. Okay, hmm. all right. I wish I'd have known that, you know, when we were packing equipment. So I try to work with everybody, especially the, the programming team at some of these shows. Um, I, I ping them all the time. Like, Hey, I need this info. I need this info. I need this info. Who do I have to talk to? What do I have to get? Um, you know, do I have to rent anything? Do I need drums? Do I need guitars? Do I need basses? Do I need amplifiers? You know, for these 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 things, because it's important. Uh, you can't have a band without any gear. Right. I mean, you can, but it's just going to be everybody doing it a cappella. Yeah. So, so at
0: the concerts, then, is it normally you that provides all of their gear, or does the band normally provide their own uh, sound system? Or not sound system, but speakers, keyboard,
1: instruments. So, it typically depends on the band that is playing. Okay. Sometimes they will bring their own equipment. Sometimes they, they, it's not possible for them to bring their own equipment because they're flying. So they expect the convention, and it's a reasonable expectation. They expect the convention to have it there for them. Or they get a friend to say, hey, can I borrow this? Can I do that? Can I borrow that? And um, you know, the friend brings it. But I try to, at, at all the stuff that I do, is if a band is going to say, hey, we're playing at your, your convention. Okay, what do you need? you know do you need drums do you need guitar amps do you need guitars do you need basses do you need bass amps do you need equipment like i need specifics and nine times out of ten i'll get very specific answers which is great because i can go to the local people that supply that stuff and say i need this this and this and they'll go i can do this this and that okay that's fine you know um but it it sometimes it turns into a chore because you're trying to get information out of folks and you know, either, either they can't give it to you because they don't know how to, or they can't give it to you because they just simply don't know. Um, you know, sometimes I've, I've worked with bands that this is their first stage show and I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold your hand through this and um, you know, tell, tell you this is what you should get and you know, we'll see what happens. All right. But, um, usually goes over well.
0: (laughs) Okay. Do you have a preference on the type of shows that you do? Like, is, uh, something like who's lion easier to do than foxes and peppers?
1: Well, that really depends on how you approach them, I guess. Um, I like doing bands. I like doing live sound. Like that's my thing. Um, talking heads which we call you know shows that just use a couple of microphones or four microphones um, and that's it um, they're I, I hate to say it but to me they're kind of boring and <laughs> I'm probably gonna take some take some flack for that one but you yeah. know they just I, I I get more enjoyment out of doing what I what I consider to be something I love to do which is sound live sound engineering, like doing stuff for yeah. bands like that. That's my, that's my, my favorite thing to do at convention. Yep.
0: Uh, I would imagine the talking heads, as he called them, you probably just set the mic levels and then just sit back
1: for a lot of it. A lot of times that's, that's what I, that's what I wind up doing. Um, you know, I can put somebody else on the board and say, Hey, um, it's these four faders, you know, figure out who's talking and push their fader up a little bit higher than the other ones. But then when they're done, bring it back down. Oh, okay. Pretty simple. Yeah. It's simple, simple stuff. But when you get into like doing stuff for a band, it's, you know, how can you EQ that kick drum to make it punchy, but you know, come through the subs and it's got to cut through the mix a little bit, but then your snare has to cut through and then your high hats got to be heard, but not like so overbearing that it's ruining the rest of it. And you know, that's, that's what i like doing it's the the technical aspect of all that stuff that really really gets me going how to make it sound the best um obviously there's a little bit of that involved with uh with microphones like talking heads and stuff because you got to make sure that the EQ's right so you're not going to feedback in the stage monitors or the sound system itself Yep. so
0: uh, so, do you have any like really memorable experiences from any of the shows or conventions that you've done? Like one or two that just really stands out. This was an awesome experience, or everything went wrong and this
1: was just a catastrophe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, there. Well, there was the show, almost a show stopping moment at MFF. When, I don't want to say one year it was this past year um, where uh, there were stage shenanigans and something happened and um, equipment was broken. Um, And that was kind of a, this could have stopped the show. Um, You know, because obviously that kind of these, that kind of stuff is, is stuff gets expensive. And if it breaks, you know, the con has to pay for it. Um, but that's what insurance is for, right?
0: Yep. Well, hopefully (laughs) Uh,
1: anyways, hopefully. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, there's, there's that, which is kind of like a negative experience. I mean, some of the most memorable experiences to me were things like when I handled, uh, Fox Amore's concert for the first time. And I got to work with all these great musicians and I'm like, holy shit, I'm working with all these great musicians. Uh, I never thought I would do this kind of a thing, and then it became more and more that I got involved with, like, um, you know, Fox and Pepper and uh, uh, Zephyr from Canada, who are, I believe, they're also playing at Anthracon this year. Shouts to them! Um, and it it just it just became like all these great musicians that I never knew existed. I'm now getting a chance to meet, and <clears throat> excuse me, and it's just it's amazing seeing the amount of talent that this fandom has for music. And it's music is like one of, in my opinion, one of the most underappreciated parts of the fandom. There's so many people that know how to do beautiful compositions and beautiful pieces of music, but they're like overshadowed by other things. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's for me, I really want to bring that out and I really want to make the musicians shine um so honestly that's the most memorable parts is getting to work with musicians um and and getting everybody out there um making them sound the best and you know especially if somebody comes up to me at a show after the show and says man that sounded great and i'm like oh thanks um gosh there's another memorable experience was um working with the composer from the silent hill video games. Um, I forgot his name, but if I looked it up on Google real quick, it would tell me probably, um, many who, so I was handling his band and his band had flown in. Uh, flew in from Japan. Um, then we had a bunch of pickup musicians and then I guess one of the voice actresses from the game also sings and, um, she was there and, uh, <clears throat> uh, you can tell when a musician enjoys how they sound on stage because they get into it. They're smiling. They're, you know, getting up close to each other and being like, yeah, you know, um, you can really tell when they're enjoying how they sound. And it's one of those things where I was watching them do all this stuff. And i am you know, cracking this huge smile on my face and, uh, the the composer guy comes up to me after the show and he shakes my hand he goes that was some of the best stage sound i've ever had and i went oh thank you so much wow what do i say to that and he goes you just did <laughs> uh, and it was it was one of those things where it's it i've been taking that with me it's like you know i, I Again, I hopefully hopefully all this stuff that I do shows in my work, and I think that was one of the 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 crowning moments of what I do as a sound engineer. Is it's, it's when I make when the when the this high ranking person comes up to me and they're just like, "That sounded great." Um, I've, it's been another couple other times where you know I was working with um, Nobuo Uematsu from all the Final Fantasy games, and. Um, handled a couple of their concerts at uh anime central and he came up to me after the show and was like it sounded really good I'm like thank you um you know so it's one of those things where um try to make it work and uh hopefully hopefully they get to get me afterward and say hey that sounded great and if they leave in a hurry then i'm like well oh, i must have not have done very well yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Yeah. So it's definitely not just about pleasing the crowd. A lot of it. it's also making sure the performer has what they want.
1: Exactly. Because if the performer thinks that they're, if the performer thinks they don't sound good, they're not going to play as good. They're not going to sing as good. They're not going to sound as good. And it's a direct reflection of me and my job. Um, my job is to make them sound good. And if I can't do that, then I'm not doing my job. So it's real important for me. You know, that's why I get caught up in a lot of stuff. Um, real important for me to make, make these people sound good. Um, somebody else's job to make them look good, but you know, it's, it's, it's,
0: it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so have you noticed any changes over the years, you know, from like, the start of when you did this i conventions to now like the technology or how things run or anything
1: of the sort oh god technology has changed so much um when i first started doing this stuff i was using a a 12 channel mixer and now some of the larger shows i'm doing a, a mixer that'll handle 72 channels and it's all digital and it um and, and, and it's got motorized faders and I can, you know, control it with an iPad and it, it's I, I never thought that I would be getting that far mm-hmm. um, you know and it's same thing with the lighting systems now is you can control them off of an iPad or a tablet or a computer or something like that and um, Just it just is really
0: nice mm-hmm. and something that's relatively new to at least the furry conventions and shows is you guys have started live
1: streaming a bit of yeah yeah this stuff yeah live live streaming has become i think it's become a standard for a lot of the conventions um i think in my it's my opinion that live streaming gets people interested in going to the show
0: yep Um, they they can watch it while they're doing something else and then they're like oh this is cool i'll go to it next time
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, or, or they'll, they're watching it from home be like, Oh man, I really wanted to go this year, but I couldn't. And then they watch it from home and be like, man, I really got to go to that next year and they make it out, you know? And I think that, I think that live streaming has a lot to do with building a convention's reputation for putting on quality programming and quality shows. Um, Obviously when you're, when you're sitting at home listening to a live stream or watching a live stream, you don't get the experience of, you know, the chest thumping bass or the lights flashing in your eyes or, you know, being, uh, surrounded by a thousand of your closest friends, 500 of which are in fursuit, you know, um, it's, it's an experience that you don't get again with live streaming, um, and and it drives people, like I said, in my opinion, to go to these shows and go to these conventions and 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 see just what's there. Um, you know, and some people obviously they just go to conventions to hang out. You know, they're not there to see the stage shows; they could care less, which is fine. Yep. <laughs> but they should at least take a look at it. Dang it, we put a <laughs> put a lot of work into it.
0: Yeah, all that time and effort and money spent in there. Yeah. Go go and give it a look
1: mm-hmm
0: so is a group like uh zephyr a lot different than a group like say foxes and peppers since they have a bit more like i know they've shown up with with uh flutes guitars saxophones things that don't typically plug into an amplifier and stuff does that add like a whole new challenge
1: well it's just about putting a microphone in the right spot and telling the player to to point the end of their instrument point the business end of your instrument into that microphone. Okay. And usually it's like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, with, with say for example, I use, you know, Fox Fox and Peppers, they have, um, s- sometimes they'll do like six or seven brass section players. They'll do a bassist, a guitarist, a drummer, keyboards, another guitar, you know, stuff like that. And then they'll have guests come up and mm-hmm. maybe the guest has a guitar that they're working with, or they, you know, need another microphone or a vocal mic or something like that. And, um, you know, versus, uh, a smaller band. I don't want to say smaller, but they are, um, like Zephyr, which they have, uh, they had th- four members and I think they're down to two, maybe three question mark. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, you know, it's, 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 You got a drummer, bassist, guitarist, and then vocalists, and the vocalists are the drum or the bassist and the guitarist. So it works out that they can do those things at the same time. They can sing and play their instrument at the same time, and uh, (laughs) uh, it's it's in my opinion it's easier to do that um, versus having to equalize and make sure that. You know, the seven microphones that are sitting next to each other for a brass section don't interact in such a fashion where they start doing feedback or things like that. Um, that's always the big thing that you have to combat when you're doing these live shows is how many open microphones are there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if if the brass section isn't in use, I can effectively mute those microphones so they don't come into the sound system and I'm not getting, you know, extra extra sound that shouldn't be there stray stray stuff so
0: yeah the extra sound or that ear shattering
1: just screech of electronic yeah feedback. yeah the the amount of uh when feedback happens people tend to like go you hear the collective audience go oh god yeah <laughs> and uh they get they get that going on so it's like oh i'm sorry sorry
0: yeah uh, so way early at the beginning of the show you mentioned some other hats that you wear what uh, What are the
1: other hats so not only do I handle audio for some of these but I also will do like lighting or I'll do um, camera work um, uh, there's some times where I will put together the show and then hand the paperwork to somebody else and say here you do it <laughs> Um, typically I like to be involved more than that but sometimes you just got to be like that Um, but usually like I said I'm doing the audio side but the lighting side um, there's been a few events where I've done lighting exclusively and um, it's it's my design my programming um, you know where where the lights are pointed, what color temperatures they are, uh, what color they are things like that is, is all, um, all coming from my, my noggin and the wise business sense of my boss. (laughs) Um, like I said, he's been doing this a lot longer than I have. So I, I look up to him in that, uh, that regard as somebody I can say, Hey, you know how to light, you know how to light people and make them look good with lights. Mm -hmm. Pass that info on to me so I can make them look good with lights. And, um, yeah, I'm okay at it. <laughs> I'm better at doing sound than I am with anything else. Yep. But you know, try to try to be somebody that. Again, it goes back to the being like, making yourself invaluable. Yeah. And I try to I try to keep all this stuff, known so that way if somebody else, oh man, I I'm not feeling too good right now. I can be like, all right, I'm on it. I and got I can, it. I I can run in and yeah, exactly. I got it. I can jump in and, and know where things are and how things work. Um, and boom, I'm on it. So, um, it, it definitely helps to know, um, way more broad spectrum than the small audio world. And I mean, audio guys are a dime a dozen, (laughs) um, being, being real here. Uh, it's, it's just the nature of the business. Um, not a lot of lighting guys. Not a whole lot of video guys that are worth the salt. Uh, but a whole lot of audio guys. Everybody's an audio guy. And uh,
0: Is audio typically the easier of all three of them? Is that why there's so many?
1: Oh, God, yes. Okay. Um, it's way easier to get into audio engineering than it is to get into anything else because getting into lighting is expensive getting into audio is way less expensive um it's when you start buying hardware and things of that nature that makes it more and more expensive um you know when you start buying um from the production side and you start buying outboard effects processors and racks and hardware things um it gets way way pricey um, almost as much as being a lighting guy It all boils down then again it all comes down to like if I rent this stuff from somebody that already has it, I'm gonna pay way less now to get the job done versus buying it outright and then have to suffer for the next you know couple of years or three, four years to pay it off. You know, if I don't get a gig for a month, oops, I can't make my payment. I guess I'll be eating ramen that month. (laughs) You know. So you mentioned
0: audio engineering and all that. Do you have do you have a college degree or is all this stuff like self taught and you've picked up on the job training? Um
1: so a lot of the stuff that I learned, um, again, if it wasn't for my grandfather pushing me to learn all this stuff, then I wouldn't wouldn't have learned it. Um A lot of the stuff has been self taught. Um I have I've had a great many teachers um, and a lot of my a lot of the a lot of the people that I work with and a lot of people that I've met uh, professionally at these these events over the years have also shared with me how they do things and how they set stuff up and it could be complete 180 from the way that I do it but their way may be a little more efficient um, so it's it's one of those things where being a sound engineer is a constantly, you're constantly learning um, and you're taking the information that you get from other people in absorbing it and then uh, spitting it back out in front of you to make things happen. Um, and it's its a pretty good feeling, um, you know, to know that that you can take that amount of information and then spit it back. You can reprocess it and spit it back out again mm-hmm. into something that you understand versus, you know, uh, I have to change my whole way of thinking to make this one, one process work, but I'd rather just adapt it to something that I know what I'm doing. Um, cause I like to be fast. Um, time is money in this business as, uh, um, uh, as, as someone once told me, <laughs> um, If you can't do things fast, then you're costing money and you're, you're wasting the client's money at that point.
0: Yep. So are, do you have any future goals or aspirations? Like you want to reach this point and then like you can't go any further or are you happy with where you at? You don't really want to go anywhere else. Well,
1: in the future, um, I would like to be co-owner of the company I work for. Um, and at that point I feel that I will be, uh, going places, well, more places than I am now, but, um, I really want to have, be able to, to get out there and do this, this kind of work, um, not just for conventions, but for other events, um, like concerts, local work, things of that nature. Um, get out there and, and get it done and do it because to me that would be the ultimate goal. Um, well, I guess you could say the ultimate goal would be going on tour for six months and being sound guy for some big name band um, or big name artist and being like, oh yeah, you know, I I got this under my belt now. And then, you know, that's the way a lot of these sound, big sound guys got started is you know they were working for a company, and the artist may have come up to the the company boss and said, "Hey, I really like that guy. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take him on tour with me." What's the company guy gonna do say no? Yeah. They're gonna look at it and see dollar signs. You're like, yep. yeah, I, I can charge a good amount for this dude, and it'll be
0: yeah. You can buy six can months get... of his time. Go exactly,
1: for it. exactly. That's that's the way, that's the way you do it in this business.
0: So. Now does your company also do in-house recording and mixing or or do they specialize in like live shows? Um live
1: shows, it's a production company, like okay. they don't do um I should say we don't do um post post stuff a okay. lot. Um I'd like to put a recording studio in the in the shop somewhere <laughs> and so would so would my uh, my co-worker um we talked about that putting a putting a recording studio out in the shop somewhere and um you know be about 50 grand but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh something that could be done yep another sure.
0: section of the market you guys could get
1: exactly but all in due time i'm not i'm not in any rush right now to to, to get to that point. I just want to be able to secure the business and, you know, maybe move into my own house at some point. Yeah. <laughs> the American dream. Exactly. Picket fence and a wife and two kids. Yep. No there way. you go. That wouldn't, that wouldn't <laughs> work for me.
0: Adoption. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, that's all I have unless you have anything to add.
1: Uh, no, man, this has been fun. <laughs> All
0: right, glad you enjoyed it. I really appreciate you coming on for the evening to yeah, tell us about you pleasure. and your life. My pleasure. Uh, is there anything you want me to link in the show notes or
1: anything you want me to say in the show notes below? Um. Hmm. Other than my voice cracking because my throat's really dry. <laughs> <laughs> um. Gosh. Um, as Bill and Ted said, be excellent to each other um and i guess to 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 everybody out there you know don't get caught up on small things um look at the big picture um even if you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow what are you going to do in a year um you know what's what's that that goal what are you reaching for where do you want to be what do you want to see um how can you change yourself to be better? Um, always strive to be better, better than you were yesterday, better than you were a week ago. You know, I don't want to step on the soapbox too much, but that's yeah. <laughs> uh, just how I feel. Like everybody, you know, sometimes and you've got to stay, take a step back and, and look at look at the picture and see everything past, present, and even the future. You know, where where have I come from? how did I get here? Can I continue on this path? Blah, 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 blah. blah. But that's getting really, really deep thought there.
0: Really philosophical up in here. Yeah. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, I thank you for joining. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me on here. It's been a, it's been a blast. I like it. Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, And thank you all for listening. This has been another tale podcast. I was your host Soul. I was your host Soul Wisp, and I was joined by Adi. Hi. Bye. You all have a great day, and thank you for joining. Good night.